Good morning and welcome to The Real Real Estate Show. This is Grace Warren from Better Homes and Gardens Rand Realty and I am here today with my co-host Marsha Talbot, Better Homes and Gardens Rand Realty. And a few couple of guests here. Today we have Mike Van Mansar with Hudson United. And the lawyer guy. Bob Kerhulik. Couple meaning two people. <laughs> <laughs> That's my joke for the day. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, it's been a um, a long week, I think, last <laughs> week, right? For for you and I, at least. Yes, it was. Um, but it, it was it, it was a good week. Um, I um, closed on a property that I've had listed for seven years. I know it's the most beautiful property in Warwick, or one of one hundred acres. You don't see those sell too often. With with a pond, with a pond, big pond with a big bass in it, and not just big bass. <clears throat> there's carp in it as well, mm. huge carp. And a beautiful uh, barn on it, and another barn. It was a great piece of property, and um, you know Bob was involved in the sale of that too. So my it son was, is so sad. A lot of people are really <laughs> sad. My whole family is sad because my kids grew up on that property. So, so it did was, mine, but they snuck around the back way. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's wonderful that it sold. It sold to lovely people, and I hope that they keep the property and the, you know, pristine the way it is. Um, it's nice to see something like that in Warwick. There's not a lot of large parcels like that. So it was, it was great. Very, very, very happy at the end when it was done though. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what, what have you been doing, Marcia? Um, I've been taking care of myself. Right. You, had a, <laughs> you weren't feeling so good this past week. Not the coronavirus, though. No, no, Don't no. Worry. Bump, None of us have the coronavirus. You know, it's, it's, that song. <laughs> <laughs> it's that song. It's that song. I went, I bumped my head and I went to bed. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so that, that's, no, I have been talking to my clients. And I've met with my clients and um, we have uh, two accepted offers that I didn't have the week before, so those are good things. I'll tell you one thing that I did that was very interesting this week. Um, I have been showing homes through FaceTime. Okay. So I'm going cool. to houses, and my client who's in Tacoma, Washington, is, you know, we're FaceTiming, and we're going through the houses, and it's, you know, an interesting experience for me. I've never done it that way. I know other people have, but it's... Uh, it's not so easy to do, really, because it's really hard for them to get, uh, you know, conceptualize what they're seeing. So that's funny you mentioned that because there's talk about in the lending industry doing appraisals with cell phones oh, soon. No. I mean, not soon. <laughs> it'll be a few years out because, I mean, if you think about it, we really do have all of the data on these properties mm -hmm. as long as the homes are standing and in good condition. That's really what the point of the, you know, the cell phone would be is to make sure there's nothing safety related, but I mean, we know the square footage, we know what the houses are selling for next door. I'm getting a lot of appraisal waivers on properties where as long as they're putting 20% down, we have the data already. We know what the value is. <laughs> right, so when you say um, phone, is it the appraiser going in there with the phone or is it I don't know who's doing it? <laughs> I know, like who's to say that it's not another property? You know, I can right. walk into another home. I don't I mean, this is just, you know, this is stuff that you hear at industry news, like insider stuff. Who knows where how it will actually, you know, come to fruition. Well right. the pictures are online, but something but it's it could true, be a yeah. virtual tour. I mean, it could be 
a virtual tour. I mean, they have virtual closings. I know New York doesn't do them, obviously, but other states, you can sign with a notary online. I can be sitting in, you know, my living room and Mm -hmm. sign my mortgage, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's it's coming. Stuff's coming like that. Beware, Bob. (laughs) New York, I don't think, will ever change. It's going to be a long time. We're we're (laughs) used to wet ink on paper. It's not even wet anymore. Come on. (laughs) Well, it's funny you sign everything online, and then they print out a hundred pages anyway. Right, <laughs> I don't, right. I don't get it either. But <laughs> yeah, but so it it was a it's we saw a bunch of properties that way, and you know we weren't just going through the house. I kind of like brought him from the driveway and showed him the sh- the streetscape so that he could see what you know was around the house as just well. Yeah, we were out in Pinebush. I don't know what it is, but everybody I'm dealing with wants to be out in Pinebush. Pinebush Pine and Wallkill area. Yeah. Those Taxes. school district. They're not, I mean, they're less than southern Orange County, but they're still not. And, it, not and it's Ulster County. You know, we're on that the other side. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it. It, it's just an interesting thing that that's what's in my world. That's what's happening right it's now. Rural. It's a, yeah. It's, more it's rural. very beautiful. It out is beautiful. There. I beautiful. think people can telecommute more for work now. You know, so that may be a big driver. You know, remember yeah. how far Warwick used to be from yeah. the city? It's like, oh, it's three hour, two hours. Really, it's yeah. not. Yeah. And know, it, that's what's what, funny? <laughs> what's funny is like we were talking. I was talking with him about Warwick, and he's like, oh, that's so far. I'm like, further than Pinebush? <laughs> well, you like, I don't know. You know, not where these houses are. It wasn't well, that's direct. true. <laughs> go down 302 it was like way out there but you know he's actually from that area so he's familiar with it um but you know i it's 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 just an interesting way to to do business now and i'm like when are you going to actually come and see the house he's like i don't know i probably won't get there until closing his wife's having a baby and you know, he's That's been tr- a big leap. To it do is a that. big leap, and he's trusting me. So, um, I, I a couple of times I've had his brother with me, but anyway. So, we were going to talk about a couple of different things today, and uh, Mike and Bob had one. Some what was it that you were ta- saying you wanted to bring up? Oh, first? yeah, you guys wanted to talk about tenant laws. I just real right. quick wanted to, you know, since rates have fallen basically off a cliff these past couple of weeks, I've been getting inundated with refi business, which you know. You don't really get it so much in New York because it's so expensive to do anything here. Um, but with rates falling a full percentage point or more from some of my clients where we started a few years ago, the you know my phone hasn't stopped ringing. So really, what I wanted Bob to maybe chime in on is in New York, you pay a mortgage tax. Um, whatever the mortgage is, you pay a percentage of the loan amount right to the state. And the lenders also pay a percentage of that too. Um, so with refis, the way to get it cheaper, I guess, or avoid that mortgage tax or the mortgage tax being so high as you do what's called a SEMA, which is essentially a modification agreement of your original note. And we have to use attorneys in this case to do it. So I'll let Bob speak on it because we have to, there's you know a, only a handful of attorneys that are approved to do SEMAs with certain banks in the state. And it is a process. It's a lot of paperwork. We have to pull the original mortgage, I think, the original note, and then hand it over to the attorneys. Or actually, they grab it for us and hand it back to us. So I don't know, Bob, you tell me, what it, what, what exactly I does it go what into? What is a SEMA? Explain that to people. So that what is listening. it? A consolidated extension mortgage agreement? Modification. modification. Consolidation yeah. extension modification agreement. The acronym SEMA. Yeah. Uh, so first, it's important to understand the savings. Uh, a borrower will pay eight-tenths of 1% in mortgage tax. So for every $100,000 that you borrow, that's an $800 tax you have to pay, whether you are buying and borrowing money or simply refinancing. 
Uh, so for an average home loan in the $200,000 range, you're looking at $1,600. Not uncommon to see a $400,000 mortgage, especially in high-priced towns like Warwick and Tuxedo, Monroe. Uh, the mortgage tax is $3,200 on a $400,000 mortgage loan. Sometimes that expense can eliminate whatever savings you can potentially achieve by refinancing at a lower rate of interest. So the goal is to try to avoid paying that tax by not going through a straight refinance where you borrow money from one bank, pay off another bank, and pay the mortgage tax in full. But by sticking with your existing loan, perhaps borrowing a little bit more money to cover your closing costs, combining those two loans into a single lien against the property, and by doing so, you avoid repaying the mortgage recording tax. Very easy to do if you're refinancing with the same bank because they already hold the note and the mortgage. Very simple for them to identify, locate, and deliver the original loan documents, particularly the original note to the real estate closing, so that the documentation is in proper order. Uh, they're very tricky to do. The documentation is complicated, but the savings is certainly worthwhile. It's a little bit trickier if you're refinancing with a different bank. Uh, now you're going to be asking bank number one to assign its mortgage to bank number two, and it's a process. Some banks will do it. Some banks will not. Some banks say they'll do it, but at the end of the day, they have trouble locating the original promissory note and all the documents necessary to make it happen. Sometimes bank number one wants to charge a fee in order to go through with a consolidation. They understand the savings. They want to keep your business. So sometimes bank number one will not make it easy for you to refinance with bank number two. So in that scenario, because, you know, some of the loans that we write, obviously we sell off the servicing, you know, because we're not in the market to send you a bill for 30 years. So we will send, sell that servicing, right? Let's say, you know, ABC Bank now sends you the, the bill, right? But if I get a client that calls me, wants to do a SEMA or wants to refi, I actually still have the original note in my file because we archive all of that. So if I can pull that down from our archives and provide it to the next attorney, does that save a step or is that help at all? It, it, it's a huge help. Uh, it guarantees that you will accomplish a refinance through a SEMA, through a consolidation modification extension, allowing you to save the mortgage tax. If you go to a different bank, it's unknown from the outset whether or not you'll successfully accomplish that. So uh, if your existing lender is in the ballpark as far as interest rates, then there's a big incentive to stick with them. Hmm. That's so yeah, we're getting, I've, I think I've done, I've submitted five SEMAs in the past week, I think, just to- uh, Ooh, makes I, sense. I, I heard of a 15 year rate as low as 2.65% in the last week. It's floating that, yeah, probably around That's there. Amazing. <laughs> wow. All right, so we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll continue with this conversation. estate market is hot. If you have been thinking of selling your home, now is the time. At Better Homes and Gardens Rand Realty, we pride ourselves on delivering an exceptional client experience. Our professional agents will provide you with the market data you need to price your home properly and follow through with the best marketing to get your home sold. Call our office today at 845-986- 
800-800-4848. Hudson United Mortgage is the number one mortgage company specializing in residential loans in New York and New Jersey, where Mike Van Mansard is offering first-time home buyers low down payment options and a mortgage that saves you money and time. Licensed in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, Mike Van Mansard will patiently walk you through the maze of applying for a mortgage and is available for all your questions. Call Mike Van Mansard now to set up an appointment or for more information, contact Mike at HudsonMortgage.com. Hi, this is Grace Warren, a licensed real estate agent for Better Homes and Gardens Rand Realty for more than 17 years. And I'm ready to hear your wants and needs, and then I will help you fulfill your goals. As a full-time residential specialist and longtime resident of Orange County, I know the Orange County market very well, and whether you're a buyer or seller, my priority is your satisfaction. For more information, please visit my website, gracewarren.randrealty.com, and let's get together. Hi, this is Dick Robinson. Please join me for two hours of the Great American Songbook every Saturday morning at 5 here on WTBQ. Dick Robinson's American Standards by the Sea. Hi, this is David Dirks, the host of the Dirks Outdoor Show. Call in as we discuss everything for the outdoor sportsman every Saturday at 7 a.m. Radio worth listening to. I'm gonna make this place your home. Welcome back to The Real Real Estate Show. This is Grace Warren from Better Homes and Gardens um, Rand Realty, and we're listening to WTBQ, radio worth listening to, and our phone number here is 845-651-1110. And I'm here with... Marsha Talbot and... Mike Van Mansar with Hudson United. And... and Bob Krulik, the lawyer guy. <laughs> I like the way you say that. The lawyer guy. It run, rolls right off your tongue. Did we say the radio guy? It should be the mortgage guy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I need new branding. Take a hint. <laughs> so um, we were talking about refinancing, but we're going to uh, switch topics a little bit um, because what's really been important right now that's happened is there's the all these new landlord-tenant um, laws that New York has changed. And we've been talking a little bit about it as it's been happening, but then we really were thrown a loop back um, in February. A few weeks ago, yeah. Yeah. Oh, something changed? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, something changed, (laughs) a big change. And they were like, starting like this second, you have to do this. But then um, there was a a court proceeding, and they changed it, and now it's going to start March 15th. So I'm going to let you talk about this, Bob, because you're the lawyer, and hopefully... I'm sure you know the law better than we sure. do. Well, I'm really passionate about this topic. Uh, we we re- rarely see such dramatic changes it in the dr- law. Very dramatic. But as of June 14th, New York State passed the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act, which changed landlord-tenant laws here in New York State dramatically in many different ways. Uh, we're going to talk about some of those ways, but what's interesting, and one of the reasons I'm so passionate, is that the law is evolving. We've got written statutes, and we read the statutes, and we think we know what they say, and then all of a sudden we either read about a court case or we receive an opinion from the New York State Department of State that interprets the statute slightly differently than what everybody thought the statute said, uh, which uh, within the last couple of weeks has really put the real estate industry into a tailspin. Uh, And that has to do with the fees and or charges that a landlord can require a tenant to pay in connection with obtaining an apartment. Uh, The statute 
limited the fees that a landlord may charge to the actual cost of a credit report or $20, whichever is less. Which means you can't charge a tenant more than $20 in essence in order to apply or to submit an application to a broker to rent your property. Uh, that seemed pretty obvious on its face, what the statute meant, what you could charge to the borrower to submit an application. And all of a sudden, about uh, three weeks ago, the New York State Department of State says, well, yeah, that's what it says, but it means even more than that. What that also means is that you can't charge the tenant for a broker commission that somebody's going to have to pay in connection with the sale. So what typically happens is a, a property owner will approach a real estate broker and say, listen, I've got this apartment. I would like your help in trying to find a tenant. I'm going to give you the listing and you can market this property for rent. Uh, you can vet the tenants, obtain a credit report for me, and let's get this thing rented. Oh, and by the way, I expect the tenant to pay your realty commission uh, for performing this work on my behalf. And that's been in the law in New York State for eons. Yeah, since I've been doing this, this is how it's been, right? You too, right, Marsha? Yeah, I think that in some, some areas it might be different. But, but in, in this area, it is, that's that, how it that's is. How that's I how it's been. <clears throat> that's how I know it. And typically that commission was one month's rent. Uh, from what I understand down in Manhattan, it could be more than one month's rent. Uh, so very expensive for a tenant because you typically had to come up with two months security plus first month's rent. And maybe less. And, and, and plus the <laughs> real estate commission. That's potentially four or more months rent or the equivalent of four months rent you had to come up with in order to get into an apartment here in New York State. Uh, and well, there could be a security deposit on a dog <clears throat> or something, too. And an application fee. And I have heard it as much as $250 for an application fee. Very expensive. For a little apartment. So the new landlord-tenant <laughs> laws were designed to protect tenants a little bit, perhaps make it a little less expensive, at least up front, because a lot of the costs we're talking about are the landlord's eventually going to recoup, because if you knock down the fees they can recover at the beginning of the lease, they're probably going to increase the rent. So over the lease term, uh, at the end of the day, the tenant will probably be paying just as much. But uh, so let's get back to this big change. So literally overnight, the Department of State said, well, no, now you cannot make the tenant pay the real estate commission. That was literally overnight. <laughs> Which left a lot of landlords and a lot of brokers in a tough position because they had negotiated a deal where the tenant agreed to pay, let's say it's $2,000 a month rent. And they anticipated the tenant having to pay the real estate commission of $2,000. And now all of a sudden the law said, no, you can't do that. The landlord must pay the $2,000. And then you had a lot of upset landlords that said, well, wait a minute. I wouldn't have rented the apartment at $2,000 a month if I knew I was going to also have to pay the broker's commission. I would have charged $2,200 a month to recoup that expenditure. Or I would have rented it myself is probably what they're thinking too, yeah. right? Yes, but they yeah. don't do That's as good a job. Yeah. No, I, I mean, don't. I'm kind of on both sides of this because on one side... When you guys are telling someone that it's going to cost four months to get into a house, we tell them to yeah, talk to, to you. buy a house. Yeah, that's a down payment, right? Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, literally do. On, on, on the other side of it, I mean, you are doing the work for the landlord, so isn't like service rendered, you know, to where they should pay you? <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's, I'm kind of on both sides of this. You guys have lived through it for 20 years. 
Um, We've always kind of thought that. Yeah. I, I don't but think that's it's not un, the way. It's entirely unfair. No. It just has to make uh, sense. Maybe split, you know, 50 and, 50. And it can't <laughs> just set, you can't just one day do it one way and then the next day set, you know, you can't do it that way anymore. That's yeah, especially what the if problem you are really signing was. A, you know, we're at March, what, 2nd or 3rd today? I don't know. It's the 2nd. <laughs> yeah. So people that were signing leases over the weekend before this law or right as this law kicked in, they can no longer collect that. I guess extra well, what fee, happened right? is they and Bob will go over the reversals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, 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 so a right bunch of landlord advocacy groups saw the problem and ran it to court and obtained a preliminary injunction, which prevented the New York State Department of State from enforcing this provision absent some direction from a court. Uh, I believe the injunction is in place until March 13th. Uh, it's possible that the judge uh, um, on March 13th might say, uh, I see no basis to re uh, keep the injunction in place. I think there's a likelihood of success that uh, the Department of State is going to win. Therefore, landlords may uh, not charge a tenant for the rent. So the handwriting is on the wall, at least in order to protect yourself as a landlord. You have to anticipate the likelihood that you will have to pay the broker's commission for any apartment leased after March 13th. Uh, hopefully that won't be the law at the end of the day if you're a landlord. But you, in order to be conservative, you have to anticipate that that might happen. Not, not if you sign the lease today. Not if you sign the lease on March 10th. Yeah. But potentially if your broker agent comes to you and says on March 16th, I found a tenant. The concern is that overnight, the responsibility for paying that commission may have shifted from the tenant to the landlord. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have a question, I'd love to hear it. There are some strategies we'll talk about to try to get around the law. Uh, some may work, some may not work. We won't know until they're tested in court. But Marsha, you had a question? question. Yes. Well, I, th I, I think that we, you know, as agents are in a very ticklish position yes because if we meet somebody today we have to tell them both scenarios what mm -hmm. happens if you find something before march 13th we're great um you're going to pay us if you find something <laughs> after march 13th maybe the landlord will be paying for it but the rent may increase. That's right. So whatever we're, whatever scenario we're show, whatever property we're showing him and saying, okay, it's two thousand dollars a month may become twenty two hundred dollars, and no one knows. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'd like to. So, so my, that's in that my same question. scenario, let's just assume that the law, you know, goes in and it's set in stone. Can a landlord just change it to where they're collecting two months now and one of those months is no. to pay no. the no. realtor? You didn't hear the other part this of is, it. There's another part to this, Mike, that we haven't even brought up. <laughs> yeah. right. It's more complicated than so what's, logic. <laughs> what's a real problem, and I don't care if you're a tenant or a landlord, a real problem in New York State is that uh, the amount of security deposit is now capped at one month. And there can be no add-ons. There's no such thing as a pet security deposit. deposit. Uh, you, you can't require the tenant to pay additional security over the month term. No, it's one month's security, and that is it. The problem is that as a landlord, uh, you now have great exposure. If you have to evict that tenant, one month security is not enough to make you whole at the end of the day. 
It's not enough to cover unpaid rent. It's not enough to cover any damage to the property, not enough to cover attorney's fees in connection with an eviction. So the landlord is now finding themselves uh, in a situation where there's great financial risk associated with any tenancy. What's the lesson to be learned? You have to vet your tenants much more carefully. You need to obtain a credit report to make sure that they are credit worthy. That's a good sign. Uh, And you really need to stay away from any tenant that you think is gonna give you a problem at the end of the lease term. Here's a very typical scenario. Many tenants, as they approach the last month of their tenancy, will say to the landlord, not gonna pay the last month's rent. I'm gonna live out my last month on my security deposit. Now, legally, they don't have the right to do that, but they do it anyway. If you had two months security, at least there was some incentive for a tenant to pay that last month's rent. Otherwise, technically, they were in default, uh, which carries consequences and ramifications. But today, with only one month security, uh, there's really very little incentive for the tenant to do the right thing at the end of the lease term. But the reality of it, the pendulum has swung from one side to the other. And it really, I think, in general, was geared to New York City owners who had lots of apartments as opposed to Warwick, where somebody might have a little apartment or yeah, two, two apartments or something. Yeah. So it's it's somewhat Or you buy unfair. a property as an investment and you just, you know, it's a house and you oh. rent it out, you know? Or in some cases, people bought another house and they had to, they couldn't sell their first one for whatever reason. We were just talking about that before. But it it's, not, I, I think it's very unfair for, for, um, for the landlords at this I, point. I, well, what it was. It makes it. It it's on not, the other way. Right. We you know, got bundled not in, in the with middle. New York City and what, you know, the re, it's protecting, you know, people that are underhanded in the city. But it's the right? whole state. But it's yeah, not just this state. area. We're kind of bundled state. into it because yes. we're in this state. So you yeah. can't just set a rule for the city, I guess, is the point. Right. But that's really where it's focused. Yeah. And unfortunately, we have we fall, you know, into that situation. Now, if you're a landlord doing research on this issue on your own, be very, very careful about regulations that affect upstate and regulations that affect New York City. Uh, One good example of that is there's new legislation that says you cannot increase the rent by more than 5% per year. Yeah, we're going to have to take a quick break, but then we'll get right back to that. All right, thanks. Inspections is the number one home inspector for your prospective new home, ensuring great memories instead of repairs. Gene of Gem Home Inspections brings more than 30 years of experience in residential construction plus hardscape and landscape design. Gene's passion also lies in historic restoration and renovation, providing professional quality service, plus Gene is a state certified inspector. For peace of mind with the purchase of your home, contact Gene on Facebook at Gem Home Inspections. Hi, this is Marcia Talbot, a licensed real estate broker of Better Homes and Gardens Rand Realty, specializing in residential, land, and vintage homes. Rest assured that I will make your experience smooth and pleasant and hold your hand through the entire process. 
As a resident of Orange County since 1976, I know every nook and cranny of this area. Please contact me at marcia.randrealty.com for the best experience in your buying or selling process. This is attorney Bob Kruhulik of the law firm Beatty & Kruhulik, the lawyer guy. Tune in every Tuesday and Thursday at 12 noon for the latest legal advice and tips. We're taking calls and giving answers to all your legal questions. That's every Tuesday and Thursday at 12 noon. Hi, this is Brian Barrett, host of Million Dollar Feeling, heard every Saturday at 9 a.m. Join me and my guests and learn how you can let go of your past and create a future filled with a million dollar feeling. Saturdays at 9 a.m. WTBQ Clouds and some sun this morning, but clouds will increase later this afternoon. We'll see our high warm quickly into the upper 40s to lower 50s. Tonight, mostly cloudy. We'll see a few showers or sprinkles around early. Better chance of a shower overnight, upper 30s and low 40s. Cloudy for tomorrow. Showers will arrive in the afternoon again. It'll moderate into the low 50s. Here's a showers tomorrow night, mainly cloudy and a little cooler, upper 30s to low 40s. And on Wednesday, becoming partly sunny, upper 40s to around 50. I'm WeatherWorks' Tony Salimo from the WTBQ Weather Center. I'm gonna make this place your home. Welcome back to The Real Real Estate Show. This is Marsha Talbot and Grace Warren from Better Homes and Gardens. And we are here with our guests today. Mike Van Mansart with Hudson United. And, and Bob Kruhulik, the lawyer guy here on WTBQ Radio. So we're going to continue our discussion of landlord-tenancy law. All right, so where do we leave off before the break? Something rent about increase, right? yeah, the rent All right, increases. So, so I, I had a landlord come into the office the other day. We sat down. We were talking about uh, renewing a lease with an existing tenant. And they said to me, uh, yeah, we're familiar with the new landlord-tenant laws, and it's our understanding that we can't increase the rent by more than 5% in any one year. And I said, well, that is the new law, but that aspect of the law only covers the five boroughs of New York City. So if you're upstate, you are free to increase the rent by more than 5%. So when you're looking at the law, make sure you understand what provisions of the law can, are effective in upstate New York and what provisions of the law are only effective in New York City. A lot of it has to do with rent control and, and rent regulation. And that's why you see limits and caps on increases yeah rent. so they were raising the rent basically our, to get people out is what it sounds like yeah our, our eyes just like opened because we didn't know that you didn't know that did you it's no. only, uh, so yeah, that's only, only in the, the boroughs only in the boroughs so you can increase it by more than five percent however does it mean you're entirely off the hook no because they did increase the amount of time you must give a tenant notice notice before you can increase the rent so if they've been in there for one year or less you have to give them at least 30 days notice that you're increasing the rent or that they have to vacate. If they've been in there for two years or less, then you have to give 60 days notice that you're going to increase the rent or require them to vacate. And if they've been there for two years or more, they're entitled to 90 days notice before you can increase the rent or make them vacate. Uh, so that is a little bit of a restriction but you're free to increase it by 10% or 15% or 20%, whatever you think the market will bear. Okay. That's a, that, that's, that's good to know. Yeah, that's, that's a good one because I didn't realize that. Wow. I mean, if I was going to rent raise someone's rent, I think I'd give them 30 days, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to know. At, at least, yeah. It may not be enough. Yeah, might not be enough. Right. It depends on how long they've been in there. So 
So it, caution is really the word here. And really, if you are a landlord and you are thinking of change, you really need to speak to an attorney. So let's use that same example. If you're a landlord now that has had someone in the property for a couple of years, are you saying that's an effect or is this new leases going into effect? No, I think Or is it's, it grandfather? It, it's any renewal any, okay. from this day going forward. Well, really from June, June. 14th going yeah. forward. Uh, so important to keep that in mind. Let's talk about real estate sales when there's a tenancy involved. Uh, you've got a lot of uh, landlords who they see the market going up and they're saying to themselves, wow, this is a really good time to sell that rental property I own over in the village of Warwick. Uh, I'm going to list it for sale. And they knock on the door and they say to the tenant, listen, I want to sell the house. I'm going to terminate the lease. Can you be out in two weeks? Uh, no, I can't be out in two weeks. Well, how quickly can you be out? Because I want you to vacate. I want to, uh, I want to fix up the house. I want to paint the interior. I want to stage the house. I need to get my real estate agent in here. And a tenant might say to you, well, sorry, I, the rental market's really tough right now. I can't find a place. And now what are you going to do? And the first question is, how long is it going to take to get the tenant out? If you want to sell the house, Depend, so it depends on how long how, they've been in there, yeah. right? That's true. Yeah, that's true. So if it's so, a so what do you think? Tenant. Let's say you've got a stubborn tenant, and let's say they've been there for four or five years on a month-to-month lease. Any guess on how long it's going to take to get them out? Well, at least ninety days. That's I correct. Would, and longer. How much longer? That's the question I'm going to ask you, Bob. <laughs> well, it <laughs> sounds like you have some experience. What if with I this? told you it could potentially take <laughs> up to a year? and 90 days to get a tenant out. Would so you believe that? So a year for the courts and 90 days for the, the notification? Oh, is that what the, you... the notification could, actually would, require 90 days notice right. in order to terminate the lease. And that notice has to be given before the first day of the month. So if you want to terminate a lease today, March 2nd, if you've already know. missed March 1st. So you'd be giving notice prior to April one. And the tenant would then have 90 days before they could vacate after April 1. So that means April, May, June. The earliest you could get them out is July 1st, if you started the process today. Now, July 1st rolls around. Let's just notice that you're terminating the lease. July 1st rolls around, and let's say they're still there. They don't want to leave. They don't want to leave. They can't find anything. Now what do you do? Well, if they're paying rent, uh, the first thing you have to do is give them a five-day notice on July 1st that they haven't paid the rent. That's new in the law. Every landlord is required to give a tenant five days notice when the rent is late. And they have to give that notice every month. Uh, Number two, if they don't pay the rent within that five days, then they have to be formally served with a 14-day notice to pay the rent. So that's 19 days. Formally served, so that means I have to hire somebody to- Hire a processor. A processor. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, if they don't pay after that 14 days has expired, then under the new law, you have to give them at least 14 days notice before they appear in court. The problem is court only meets, depending on your municipality, once, maybe twice a month. Some towns, Warwick is a particularly busy town. Uh, they do have court on a weekly basis, but let's say you're in a, a village, the judge may only hear landlord tenant cases one day a month. So potentially you might have to give the tenant from 14, maybe up to 30 days 
before you're now before a judge. Now, here's the real killer. Under unusual or in extraordinary circumstances, the judge under the old law could give the tenant another six months to stay in the property. Uh, we're not exactly sure what extraordinary circumstances are or what a hardship is. The case law is all over the place. But the new law has increased the right of the tenant to remain in the property in the in the case of a hardship for up to 12 months now. So anything could be claimed as a hardship? Well, I'll give you an example I'm starting to see all the time. Uh, let's say it's September 1st. School. Many tenants are arguing that it would be an extraordinary hardship to take my kids out of this school district. Got it. Because I can't find another rental in the Warwick School District. And it would be an extraordinary burden, inconvenience. It might jeopardize their success in school. Uh, and they're now arguing in court to the judge, judge, I'm willing to pay the rent, but I want to stay until next June when the school year is finally over. And judges are sympathetic to that argument. Now, sympathetic to the tenant's needs, but what about the landlord's needs? They're trying to sell a house. And now suddenly they're in a situation where they can't get the tenant out for a year and nine months. That's an extraordinary example, and it's very unlikely that would happen, but it could happen. So you need to be aware of that if you're a homeowner, a landlord who's thinking of selling your property. Could the, the landlord raise the rent at this on, point? On a month-to-month -month basis, uh, yes. You'd have to give that 90-day notice in advance if they've been there for that long. And as long as the tenant's willing to pay, then what the tenant can stay. Then they have well, to leave? They have to leave. If they don't pay, then, uh, then there's, the, no the, there's no protection yeah. under the law. Okay. So then there's the eviction. Right. So it's just not a very uh, pleasant situation. Experience. T typical you know? eviction these days is taking 60 days. So, so there they are. They're almost at the end of the school year. It's almost there anyway. <laughs> uh, so worst case scenario, if you have a tenant who's been there for a long period of time and you have to give them the three months notice, three months later they still haven't vacated or they're not, they stopped Six paying months. rent on that last month, uh, then you're looking at probably another 60 days for it to work its way through the court system. And then, of course, the big danger, if there's a hardship case, perhaps much, much longer. Jeez. And, and this is a, an expense now for the, the landlord, as we said. I mean, I, I don't know exactly what it would cost, but it's not going to be cheap for them to, to go through this whole process once they have to uh, It's fairly it. expensive. I, I tell most clients you need to budget $2,000 for an eviction. And if you add that together with the lost rent in the case of a tenant who's not paying rent, uh, potentially they're going to be out at least two, if not three months Rent. Rent in the event they have a, a, a non-paying non tenant. Lot. It's a fair And then, you know, typically if someone's being evicted, they're not taking care Ooh, of the place true. that they live in. So, you know, then there's going to be damages to the, to the property And as perhaps well. dumpsters load of garbage. <laughs> yeah. So the real, I mean, moral to the story is really vet your tenants. Absolutely. To, you know, and try yeah. to it's get important. someone in there that's, that's you know, yeah. I mean, I... I Many people have, you know, approached me that want to buy an income property. And I always say to them, you, that this is great. We could do this, but you have to, you have to be the type of person that has the stomach for this because it's not always so pretty. Yeah. It's not you just collecting the rent, you know? Well, right. 
Now, this is very unpalatable to a landlord, but sometimes I'll advise the landlord, rather than aggressively going after the tenant and uh, dragging everybody through a prolonged and expensive eviction proceeding, perhaps offer the tenant a little bit of money if they're willing to vacate in a timely manner. For example, if you've got a stubborn tenant, say, listen, I realize there are moving expenses. I realize you have to come up with a security deposit. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll give you $1,000 if you move out within two weeks. Sometimes that can work. Like I said, very unpalatable if you're in the shoes of a tenant. They say, I mean, shoes of a landlord. They say, what? I'm going to pay the tenant money? I say, well, listen, you're going to be paying me a lot more than that (laughs) if we have to go through an eviction. Plus, there's the lost rent. And if you're trying to sell the house, there's the lost opportunity of trying to sell in the height of the market. Right. Because if the tenant is in the house and it is on the market, they could be very difficult in terms of allowing people to come in to see the house. Even if you would say in this case scenario, tenant will be moving by June 30th or, or you know, mm-hmm. so right. that even if there was that, that time frame, you might have a lot of difficulty. Yeah, did you ever see, you, you, I'm sure you have on MLS, it'll say showings between one and two on Thursday only. Right. right. You know that that's an issue. <laughs> you know, most of the time, I certainly, if we do have a tenant and there's an, you know, maybe they're moving, I try to certainly work on both sides. Yeah. So to give the tenant 24-hour yes. notice, to do everything yeah, you want to, that's you, right. amenable to both parties. Exactly. You know, it, it's not to, you know, be difficult. It, it's, it's to avoid the difficulty. Right. So we're going to take another break, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Do we have any up thing? Chris Steritz has been an award-winning associate broker for more than 28 years. Chris's vast knowledge of Orange County ensures that your goals will be met whether you are a buyer or a seller, and she will help with your home inspection, mortgage, and appraisal process. She's also a specialist in corporate relocation, and the home inventory on her website is always current. For more information or to contact Chris, visit chrissteritz.randrealty.com. O'Keefe and McCann is the only law firm for all your real estate transactions. Founding partner William O'Keefe will patiently guide you through every step, whether you're buying or selling property, commercial or residential, from the first meeting to the closing. O'Keefe and McCann earned their top rating due to their impeccable attention to detail, their dedication to a smooth closing, and the pride they take in their clients' complete satisfaction. They are with you throughout the entire process, ensuring a successful outcome. For the finest real estate attorney, visit omlawteam.com. Hi, this is Christine Koenig with Better Homes and Garden Rand Realty, and I love real estate. I grew up helping my dad fix up his investment properties. That knowledge and experience has fueled my passion for real estate. Licensed in New York and New Jersey, I focus my business in Orange, Sussex, and Passaic counties. Check out my website at christinekoenig.randrealty.com or listen to The Real Real Estate Show, Mondays at 10 a.m. Hi, this is Wild Baby Love. Start your Sunday with me at 6 a.m. and Gospel Tracks. I'll give you the phone number to the faith phone line and the address to the website. All that and much, much more right here on Gospel Tracks with yours truly, Wild Baby Love. 
Hi, this is Tom Lovelace. Join me and my guest every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. for the Lovelace Music Experience. Exciting interviews and great music from every genre, right here, playing the best music. I'm gonna make this place your home. Welcome back to The Real Real Estate Show. I'm Grace Warren from Better Homes and Gardens Rand Realty, and I'm here with... Marsha Talbot, Associate Broker, Better Homes and Gardens Rand in Warwick. And Mike Van Mansart with Hudson United. And Bob Krahulik, the lawyer guy here on WTBQ Radio. Yeah, so we... So we beat this tenant thing up. Now. I wanted to chime in real quick is the last and then we can jump into the Airbnb stuff. You mentioned that, you know, landlords are handing money to tenants to basically leave. Banks are doing the same thing, actually, for real estate owned like Fannie Mae and yeah. Freddie yeah. Mac. Yeah. They're saying, you know, it's almost cash for keys, basically. Um, we I work with a lot of realtors that represent banks um, for sales. And basically a check will come, whatever they've negotiated. Hey, it's five thousand, ten thousand, a couple thousand certified check will come made out to the the person there they hand it over and that's the day they have to leave and that's the negotiation that they did so it's happening more and more and they don't want to the banks don't want to drag out you know years of lawsuits and all this stuff they'd rather just pay them to go to away out. yeah <laughs> those but, are on the foreclosures yeah on the foreclosures yep they were doing that um something similar with um the um short sales they were paying yeah, short yes. sales are a whole nother animal. Well, they're a whole nother animal, of course, <laughs> yes. But they were definitely giving some um, yeah, incentive. Move, moving, moving money, money to people. Yeah. Anyway, but. so um, the, the this new craze, it's been around for a while, but it's sort of a new thing here in Warwick in the past year or two, right? Mm, Maybe no, a little longer, much. but <laughs> the law started changing. Yes. That um, they talk about. stricter. Yeah. Th there were no rules before, and now there there are rules for Airbnb. So that's something that's been going on here in, in um, going on so all over the place. What is the rule? I think now you have to have a, uh, you have to apply each year for a permit, right? From the yes, town. Yes, you have to have a and permit. And it's inspected. Okay. Yeah. You have to, they have to obviously have to have a certificate of occupancy and, you know, there's um, know, smoke egress, detector in smoke every bedroom, yeah. egress. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really actually a good idea because when people are coming to an Airbnb and some of them are great. I don't want to sound like I don't think they're good. No, they're, but, it's a good idea. But it's really important that if you do go to an Airbnb, you're safe. Yeah. So, yeah, there you know, has to be some. It's not just like, some okay, kind of rules. I'm going to put I mean, a room in the smoke detector is like common in sense. In the basement. <laughs> <laughs> or you're going to rent out your shed. Yeah. <laughs> that has Put happened. a bed in there and rent there out your shed. There was a shed. Do you remember there was a little... Well, it was like a, more like a B and B, so it was a nice shed, but it was a shed. <laughs> but it had there has to be, you know, it was on Walling Road. Okay, <laughs> I don't remember that one. <laughs> but, I always joke and say I'll rent my house and just sleep in a little tiny house trailer in the backyard for, you know, the months that Warwick sure gets ha, busy. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure you have to have a permit for yeah, that too. Yeah, I'm sure too. you do. Yeah, oh, he has to have a permit for the thing in the back too. The trailer. <laughs> and you, one of the things that we we should uh, talk about, maybe not today, because I don't know the answer to it, is uh, how it affects insurance. And maybe we should have uh, Barry come on in. one day yeah. and talk about that. So what do you... Well, that's a us? big issue. The town is part of the application process before they'll issue a short-term rental permit, is you have to produce proof of insurance. And that insurance has to expressly state the certificate of insurance that it covers short-term rentals. And I've heard stories all over the place as far as how easy it was to get 
or how difficult it was to get, depending on who the underwriter is. Mm. Uh, one problem we see with new regulations from town to town is they won't recognize insurance that is offered by VRBO or Airbnb. VRBO in particular has, in my opinion, a very good insurance product that provides liability insurance to protect both the landlord and the tenant, and it's built into the fee structure of the rental. The town will not recognize that as adequate insurance in order to obtain a permit. So, not all towns, but Warwick you're speaking about specifically. I, that's true. I, I don't know how detailed the vetting process is from municipality to municipality, but as far as I know, you have to provide proof of insurance uh, to all municipalities that are now regulating short-term rentals. Some perform a little more due diligence in examining what the coverage is. Some do not. Uh, so, but if they want to see a certificate that expressly says it covers short-term rentals, that can become a big issue with your underwriter. And if you, they have to renew this permit every year, right? That's right. So if someone, I mean, wants to apply, get the permit and then literally cancel their insurance the next day and go with VRBO or Airbnb insurance, is that, I mean, I'll, that could be done. That could be done. I guess if the expense is that great, then it's it's possible you might be able to get away with that. I'm yeah. just asking because I see all kinds of stuff in, the, yeah. in this industry. Well, really, everyone's trying to get around, yeah. Yeah, you know, no, I, paying more money. So, you know, people can become very creative. How does right. that affect the mortgage ability of someone? Or if they're selling an Airbnb? How oh, I've got some fun oh, stories about yeah, that. I mean, okay. we wouldn't, <laughs> I, if those. you, I mean, if it's technically an Airbnb, then it would be an investment property. So they would require, oh. it would be underwritten as an investment yeah, property. Now it is, yeah. but what about, what, okay. Does if, you already oh, have you mean if they own it and now they're going to Airbnb it? You know, I have no idea. The We're smart. You know, lenders are smart. We do third-party verifications on everybody. We find out about properties you own in other states. You know, we're, we are smart and no everything's secrets. out there. Yeah. So you know, I would just say, beware, don't, don't try to do it. Um, because we'll basically someone's figure gonna it find out. out. Yeah. Someone's going to find out. And you know, mortgage fraud is mortgage fraud. So, um, when you sign on the dotted line at a closing, there's a big, you know, FBI thing that says, you know, do not commit mortgage fraud. You can go to jail. So <laughs> <laughs> that's half the reason Donald Trump's cronies are going to jail is that they lied in mortgage loan applications. Uh, usually they're more sophisticated commercial type transactions they were involved in, but that's how they're getting them. They find uh, misrepresentations made in loan applications. It's a very common tactic of law enforcement yeah. to go after people on that basis. Inflating income and assets, you know, with fake tax returns and things are probably the worst things you can do, but to take a primary residence and maybe convert it to a rental because, I don't know, money's tight or you have to go live with family, whatever the case is, and maybe you can't sell it. I don't think that we're really looking at stuff like that give an explanation. We're still at the end of the day, people with the heart, right? I mean, <laughs> I'm not the guy, you know, right. And, you know, making the laws, but at the end of the day, I think in certain circumstances, you know, we, we understand. So, but yeah. So you have some <laughs> Sure. Stories. So here's some interesting stories I've encountered uh, on a couple occasions now, a seller who has developed a, a very robust Airbnb business through a piece of property. And now they have a buyer. Uh, buyers looking to close within the next 30 to 60 days. And the seller says, oh, wait a minute. Uh, I've got bookings through Airbnb through the end of August. So I can't close within the next 60 days because I need to honor these reservations. 
So the question is, well, what happens now? Uh, I guess a seller could cancel those reservations. It's not against the law to do so. It'll affect your rating on Airbnb if, if you unilaterally cancel a reservation. Uh, some scenarios I've seen a buyer will close title because they want to take advantage of lower interest rates and they're afraid interest rates will go up between now and August. So they don't want to take that chance. The seller would then retain occupancy and continue to manage that Airbnb rental until the reservations uh, finally run out. Does he share the money because he's well, renting are, somebody so, else's you know, that, property? That's the complicated thing as the attorney is all these things are now the subject of negotiation. And we see all kinds of crazy issues arise out of this. Here's a good one for you. Uh, a client of mine sold her house, which was a, a very strong Airbnb rental over in the Greenwood Lake area, uh, generating thousands of dollars in income per month. In addition to the sale of the house, was attempting to sell the Airbnb listing. <laughs> the seller had achieved a very high rating, a five-star rating. The reviews of the property were glowing mm -hmm. and thought that added extraordinary value to the home buyer and said, listen, I'm selling you the house for $220,000. You could run it as an Airbnb, uh, generate all this great income, uh, but you need my Airbnb account. And I will sell you the Airbnb account, get this, for $15,000. I was shocked. That's the price she demanded. Wait. Now, I had some very interesting conversations with her because she said to me, now, if I just hand over my username and password to the account and let the home buyer take it over, can I get in trouble? And the answer to that is absolutely, because it's your personal profile. It's your name. You represent yourself to be the owner of the house. Your photograph is there. Uh, right, presently, your bank account information would be there. So there's a process of switching over the bank account. So it's an incredibly complex topic and, and really not legal for you to sell somebody your Airbnb account and have them now represent the account as if you're still the owner of the property. So people try anything, right? Was surprised. the buyer using it as going to use it as an Airbnb? Uh, I'm not or? certain, but the buyer, there was no way the buyer was going to pay $15,000 to assume somebody else's account. Name. I'd make my own account. <laughs> You'd be surprised. They're actually selling now books of how to rent airbnbs or how to own an airbnb business without actually owning the home and it's by way of subletting your lease sure. so and they're getting permission from the landlord and basically saying hey i have this great property in a great area that the landlord's agreed to rent me and i'm going to now rent it on airbnb and they're selling mm -hmm. this as a business like a business idea so Once something the, something goes wrong, then that's, yeah, that's the always the issue. Part. God forbid the house, you know, something happens, the house Fire. burns down, someone dies. Why do you even want to get in that? <laughs> <laughs> They're saying, okay. get off the air. That's the lead. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the lead. Thank you, everybody. Is it time for us to leave? Well, anyway, I guess we'll just start to, we have a couple of seconds left. <laughs> oh, that so was the last scary. person so, didn't Yeah, like basically, that. you know, what is, what is the moral of this 
you know, renters beware, owners beware, I guess. And Everybody do your be aware. <laughs> call the lawyer guy. Yeah, call it's the lawyer making, guy. It's making all transactions much more complicated these days. That That's the moral of the story. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for coming on with us today, Bob and um, Mike. And we will be back next week.